You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Wow, I think Sue and I would both say, wow, the service so far has been amazing. I think if we were just to dismiss in prayer right now, we could say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I love that choir number talking about going to the secret place. A couple of years ago, probably 10 years ago or so, there was a best-selling book called The Secret, and everybody was telling me, oh, you need to listen or you need to read this book. So we got it on tape at the time, and we were listening to it. And this woman from Australia uh, looked at all the world's religions and came up with The Secret to Life. And basically, her secret to life was the golden rule, be nice to other people and they'll be nice to you. And so I listened to the whole book to come up with that. And then I thought, I wonder if the Bible says anything about the secret. Psalm 25 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. You want to go to God's secret place? Have a fear of God in your life. When I had heard that Pastor and Shelly were going through some rough waters, I told Sue that we're going there Sunday. There's just no way we were not going to be here to be an encouragement to them, to try to be a help to them, and just to give, them, give him time as a pastor away from the pastoral duties of this pulpit. And I do not take this morning's responsibility lightly, and that any time I'm allowed to speak from a pulpit, there is the weight of responsibility of being a good steward, number one, of, of the pulpit, and then also of the preacher's time and of his um, investment in his flock. So if you will bear with me this morning, we will open up our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 11, and out of respect to God's word, those who can, let's all stand together this morning. <clears throat> I would encourage all of you to come back this evening. Uh, Sue and I were blessed in the middle of May to the end of May. We took a mission trip to South Africa. Tremendous amount of lef- lessons that we learned from there, and there'll be a slide presentation Uh, Many of you prayed for us while we were on the mission trip, and we just want to give a missions report of that. Luke chapter 11, the physician, the historian, Luke, records these words for us. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Father, we come to you and we empty ourselves of ourself. Thankful for the opportunities that we've had to worship you in song and praise this morning. Father, we love you. You are truly the great King of kings and Lord of lords. You are worthy of all worship that we can give to you. We ask now, Father, that as we open up your word, that your word would be preeminent this morning. The principles from your word would find root and lodging in our life. That after taking root, that they would bring forth fruit and that the fruit would remain in our life. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the blessing of another day, as we know every day is a gift. Lord, please bless in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
The subject of the message this morning is prayer. I want to start out by saying nobody is an expert in this area. I think if we were to survey ourselves and we were to just look at our Christian life, I think all of us would say, if we were honest with ourselves, I could pray more. I could spend more time in prayer. I could do more with prayer. We read biographies of men like Prang Hyde and George Mueller. George Mueller ran an orphanage in Bristol, England. And the stories that George Mueller had recorded about him were just amazing. He would have the orphans there in the dining hall. There would be absolutely no food whatsoever for them. He would set the table. He would have everything set out. And then he would say, let's thank the Lord for the food he's about to provide for us. And the little orphans would look around, as children do when they're praying, and they'd say, food? There's no food. And while George Mueller was praying, somebody would knock at the door. I have a bread truck here. I can't make my bread deliveries today. Can you take this bread off my hands today? And that bread would be provided for the orphans. Another day, they were praying, and there was a knock at the door, and a man who ran a milk truck said, I broke a wheel right outside of your orphanage. I can't deliver my milk today. Can you come out and take the milk? And all the orphans walked out there with their pitchers and got milk for the day. God miraculously provided for George Mueller, and he can provide for you because we serve the same Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sue and I love taking mission trips. We've taken mission trip to a couple to Mexico, to New York City. We've gone to Connecticut to help with a church plant. We've gone to, to South Africa on a missions trip. It's one of those things that keeps our heart tender. We took the teens from Faith Baptist Church on a mission trip to New York City, and the church had just gotten a brand new bus. And the last thing Pastor Lewis said to us before we went to New York City is, don't park that bus on the street. Yes, he didn't want the tires ending up on eBay or something like that in some pawn shop. So when we got to New York City, the church we were going to be ministering at, the back of the church had a little, like almost like a little parking area, driveway. Uh, the, the church would have ended right here. There was a grocery store right there, and there was just enough room that if we could back the bus in, it would fit. Well, when we got to the church, there was a gate here and there was a car parked right in front of the gate. There was no way that bus was getting in without that car moving. So I told the kids, the, the kids on the mission trip, I said, let's unload everything. We'll be staying in the church. We were going to do a vacation Bible school. We brought in everything for vacation Bible school. And I went to see the pastor. And Now, this pastor had been in New York City just a little bit too long, if you know what I mean. Because as we were unloading the bus, he was over at his car and he had the trunk open and he was throwing things into the trunk, his briefcase and other things from his office. And I said, hey, brother, I've got something for you. And I handed him a check. Now, brother, when one pastor or one preacher hands another preacher an envelope, it's usually a pretty good thing to put it someplace safe and secure. So I handed him the envelope with the check for letting us be with him for the week. And he said, oh, thank you, and just threw it in the trunk. I said, you might want to look at that. He goes, oh, okay. So he opens up the check and opens up the envelope and sees that it's a check and then throws it back into the trunk. I said, okay. 
So then I said to him, there's a car parked in front of the gate and I can't park the bus on the street at night. So do you know whose car that is? And he looked at me and he said, son, this is New York City. If that car is parked there, it's not moving until Monday morning. Okay, so we got all the kids together, got them up in the auditorium after they had gotten settled in. And I said, guys, here's, here's our dilemma right now. We need to park the bus behind the church and between the grocery store, but there is a car parked in front of the gate and we can't get that bus into the parking area without that car moving. So we're all going to come up in the auditorium and we are going to start praying. And what we're going to pray for is that whoever owns that car, that they would move it. God would prick their heart. God would get them to open up uh, something that they need to just get down to that car and move it, whether they need to run to the grocery store. I don't care what it is, but that car needs to be moved. And we're not leaving the auditorium until that car moves. We're going to pray through this. And I had placed a young man by the name of Aaron at the window right there. And I said, Aaron, when you see that car move, you let us know so we can get the bus in there. And so we started to pray, and we prayed around, and the students prayed. And finally, after about 40 minutes, Aaron said, Mr. Schmig, they've moved the car. And so we pulled the bus back in there, and it was safe. Every single student on that trip realized God answers specific prayers. We need to pray more. All of us need to pray more. In Luke chapter 11, it says, And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Do you have a place where you pray? Do you have a place where you're known to pray? That when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. All of us can learn how to pray more and to pray better. Lord, teach us to pray. And this is what he says. He says, When ye pray... Say, our Father which art in heaven, we serve a holy God. For the first 14 years of my life, to my regret, growing up in an unsaved home, I never heard God's name used in a holy or reverential way. And yet he is holy. When we pray, our Father which art in heaven, we are taking a spiritual telescope and we are looking through the telescope in the right way and we see God in his magnificence, God in all of his attributes, God in his radiance. He is holy. One of the things I love working, about, uh, working with the Christian schools is there's two eternal things. There's the word of God and the souls of men. And every single day in Christian education, we get to touch both. But one of the things that our government schools did in 1962 is they banned prayers from school. Our Christian schools open in prayer every single day. Our classes open in prayer. It is possible for our students to go throughout the day and to learn how to pray more, to learn how to pray better, to learn how to pray more effectively. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. When we pray, can I admonish you that when we pray, our prayers should not be lazy, hazy, or crazy. Pray specifically for specific things. When Sue and I first started teaching, we went to a little small town in South Carolina, and it was a small church and a small Christian school, 
And one of the first weeks that we were there, they were going to take up an offering, or take up the morning offering, and they asked one of the dear brothers from the church to pray for the offering. And he prayed, Lord, please bless this offering and bless all the missionaries all around the world. Amen. I didn't think anything of it until two weeks later when they asked the exact same person to pray. He said, Lord, bless this offering and bless all the missionaries all around the world. Now, do we want God to bless all of the missionaries all around the world? Are there missionaries who are out proselytizing and propagating falsehoods that will damn people's souls to hell? Yes. Are there missionaries for false religions? Are there missionaries for people that have false teachings that will not help those people at all? Do we want God to bless the false teachers who have sent missionaries out? No. Now, I know what he meant. But if I can hear what he says, words mean things. God wants us to pray in such a way that our prayers are definite, directed, and from a desire in our heart that God would ultimately be glorified. I think it's interesting. When you take a look at this and you read uh, verses 2, 3, and 4, what he is saying is when we pray, we need to put God in proper perspective and at the end of the day, let God be God. We have not created a God in our own image. God is telling us who he is. He is holy. He is sovereign. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 5 tells us, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct my prayer to thee. What the psalmist is saying, he is using an illusion of an archer taking an arrow and drawing that arrow back and letting it go at a specific target. About 20 years ago, I thought, you know, I think I'd like to take up archery. I'd like to go deer hunting in October when you're not freezing out in your deer blind or whatever. So I got a bow and some arrows from a friend who was selling them. And I thought, this should be easy enough to learn how to do it. So I went to a, a furniture store. I got these massive pieces of cardboard, suspended them from the garage, went to the street about 30 yards from the back of the garage, and I drew my first arrow and I sunk it right in the back of our garage. I thought, ooh, this is gonna take some help. So after a couple of weeks of sinking arrows all over that target, after a couple of weeks of figuring out that bow, I was able to get a target about this big. Now, if you're a deer hunter with a bow and you have a target about this big, you better get used to being a vegetarian because you're not gonna harvest a whole lot. So I thought, this is frustrating. So I went to an outfitter, and he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to put a peep sight in your bow, and we're going to put a kisser button on it. And he said, you never draw the bow without looking through the peep sight, without having the kisser button in the, corner, in the corner of your mouth. And then he had made a couple other small adjustments. He said, did you notice that when you hold your bow like this, as soon as you release, you have a stranglehold on that, and your bow goes like this, and you're knocking the fletchings so that the bow goes down, down on its flight like this. He said, put your finger under it. He said, you can't put a stranglehold if the index finger is under it. And he said, now let's try this. So we were at his archery shop, three arrows at 30 yards, and I had a pattern about like this. I almost William Telled the first arrow. I thought, wow, 
That's amazing. I looked at him and I said, that's incredible. His response, it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. But we want, as Christians, to direct our prayers to the Lord for specific things, directed prayers, definite prayers, prayers from the desire of our heart. When he says, thy kingdom come, he is telling us he wants us to pray in this world that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a big prayer. That's huge, especially in light of our Sunday school lesson, that we live in a crooked and perverse nation. Paul tells us, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. Why would we do that? That we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In this Luke chapter 11, we see not only the pattern of prayer, we see the priority of prayer. And the priority, the priority of prayer is this. Jesus expects us to pray over and over again. He says, when you pray, pray like this. He tells us, after this manner, pray ye. He tells us to ask, to seek, to knock. He tells us in another passage, men are always to pray and not faint. Paul tells us, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Paul tells us in another passage, pray without ceasing. In everything that you do, prayer is possible at all times. Prayer is profitable at all times. We should be known as people of prayer. Our attitude should be, Lord, I don't want to take one step without you in this world. When Jonathan and Rosalind Goforth decided to establish a mission in Changte, China, in the Honan province, Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, wrote to them and said, Brother, if you would enter that province, you must go forward on your knees. Too often in politics and in this world, we hear the phrase, we need to, be, we need to stand and be counted. God tells us we need to kneel and count on him. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. When you think of American history, America was a nation that was born, birthed, and prospered in prayer. The Mayflower Compact reads like a prayer, in the name of God, amen, undertaken for the advancement of the Christian faith. We have George Washington at Valley Forge, an image that's in uh, cut glass in the Capitol building, on his knees praying. I can take you to, to, Link, to New York Avenue Presbyterian Church where President and Mrs. Lincoln would go to church. The second pew is still the pew that they sat in. The stained glass window under the second pew is of, is of Abraham Lincoln, his head bowed in prayer, what the people in that church would have seen when Abraham Lincoln was, was there for church. During World War II, when things were their worst, during the Battle of the Bulge, General Patton issued a Christmas card and greeting to all of the troops of the Third Army. We had a man in our church that rode with Patton from France into Germany. And he showed me, he had his maps, he had his compass, he had the prayer card that General Patton issued. First it was a Christmas greeting from General Patton to all of the troops. And then on the back of it was a prayer that he wanted every single soldier to read and to pray that God would take these immoderate rains away and give them fair weather so that they can go from victory to victory. 
at D-Day, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, got on the radio and prayed across America for five, six minutes, asking God to protect our soldiers as they went to liberate England. We are a nation that, whether we will admit it or not, we need prayer. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and march on Washington, D.C. Is that what it says? No. Shall humble themselves and pray. Prayer is powerful because we pray to a powerful God. Prayer is so powerful that when the Supreme Court could, it banned prayers from school. Prayer is powerful. The Bible says Elias was a man subject unto like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. I think one of the things that prayer does <clears throat> is it puts ourselves in perspective. The Bible says in John, it says, without me ye can do nothing. We like to think, Lord, I can do this. God says, no, without me ye can do nothing. One of the things that prayer will do to us is it will cure us of our delusions of adequacy. Lord, we can do this. No, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think of yourselves in spiritual terms. Billy Sunday said one time, prayer is possible at all times, prayer is profitable at all times. Psalm 119 and verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 27 and verse 8. It's, a, it's an amazing verse because the psalmist is writing while he's reading 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. The psalmist says, When thou saidst, seek my face, my heart, Lord, thy, my heart said, thy face, Lord, will I seek. He's quoting 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. One writer said, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes, it is the business of cobblers to mend shoes, it is the business of Christians to pray. Now when we pray, the book of Hebrews says, we come boldly into the very throne of God. We're his children. God, Lord, this is Tim. I need your help. I can't do this without, without your help. And our prayers should not be a hotel phone calling for more room service to be delivered to us. Our prayers should be a battlefield walkie-talkie giving an assessment to the, of the situation to our commander-in-chief. Lord, this is where we are. Please help us with this. Please give us the strength that we need as we go through this. Specific prayer requests get specific answers. I was blessed, Sue and I are blessed, we attend Emmanuel Baptist Church up in Corona. And for the months of January and February, our pastor, Jason Georges, preached messages on the power of corporate prayer. When they came together as a group and prayed, this is what God did. He opened doors. He opened, he opened um, dungeon doors, cell, uh, cell doors. And Peter was released. They prayed, and the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. And there was power in corporate prayer. Many of you will remember that right after that time, I was blessed to be in this pulpit while our mission team from here was in the Philippines. Some of you might remember that Sunday. <clears throat> after that Sunday, 
That Sunday, we all came forward and we prayed for Alyssa. Near the end of that week, I got this uh, message that I want to share with you. I don't know if any, how many of you know about this. It says, this is Alyssa White. I wanted to share my testimony with you, and maybe you could share it with your wife also because she is part of it. As you know, when I was on my missions trip, I came down with dengue fever. I was very sick, and there was a time when I thought I might not make it. God did so many things in my life through my illness. He did a work in my heart that words simply will never be able to fully explain. It was Sunday night for me in the Philippines, which would have made it Sunday morning for you all here. I was so sick before I went to bed that, at the time, that there was a time when I thought I might die. I had been discharged from the hospital, and I should have been doing better, but I was not. Our doctor friend was worried. It had been a week since I had gotten sick, and she said, she said I shouldn't be struggling like I was. Right before I went to bed, I prayed, Lord, if it's your will to take me home to be with you, I'm willing to die for you. I know you do all things well, and that would be your perfect will for my life. But if you spare me and allow me to live, I promise you I will serve you the rest of my life. I surrender my whole life fully to you. I give you everything. Either way, whether I live or die, I'm yours. She writes, I never had such a heart of full surrender before. Through my illness, God brought me to that place. I believe that I could not have come to such deep surrender unless God would have made me sick. The most amazing part of my testimony is that on Monday morning, I woke up feeling better. I could tell that God had started to heal me from the dengue fever. It was such a miracle because I went to bed that night feeling so sick. I was praising God that he had healed me and decided to let me live. Later that day, a text came through from my sister. It was a picture of my church family, all of you, at the altar praying for me. It made me cry when I saw that. I know that you, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, had everyone come to the altar at the church and pray that God would heal me. Then I realized that the time the church was praying for me here, I was sleeping over there in the Philippines. It was in the middle of the night for me over there. And that's when I realized God had healed me at the same time the church prayed for me. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, huh, I feel better, and then I went right back to sleep. When I woke up Monday morning, God had healed me. My strength had started to come back. My pain had subsided to almost nothing. My headache was gone and my appetite had returned. It was truly a miracle. God answered everyone's prayers in such an amazing way. I know I'm alive because of everyone's prayers. I feel like God has given me a second chance in life and I'm determined not to waste it. I don't know what God has planned for my life, but I owe him everything because he allowed me to live. I wanted you to know how God worked that day when the church prayed. I also wanted to thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and for having the church come forward to the altar because God did an awesome thing through that. I am amazed at the timing of everything, how God brought me to full surrender. Then he healed me at the very same time the church was praying. I'm still in awe of everything God did through my sickness. I also wanted to share with you that the Saturday before I left on the trip, I went to a ladies' seminar. Your wife was doing a session on trials. I wasn't even going through trials at the time, but I decided to go to that session. She shared how God had given her cancer and her journey through that. She said something that really struck with me. She said, Trials are a blessing from God, hand-picked just for you. I'd never thought of that before. Every time I heard the word trial, I'd think of something bad. But your wife challenged us to switch our thinking to view trials as gifts from God. 
That lesson prepared me for a trial God had for me on the missions trip. As I was lying there in the hospital, I thought of your wife's lesson and the truth she shared through trials. I know it's not a coincidence that both you and your wife played a role in my illness. I wanted to share it with you. I hope it's an encouragement. Thank you for walking with God. Thank you for letting him use you. I will be forever grateful to you both for how God used you in my life. Sometimes we wonder, do my prayers get answered? Every time you look at Alyssa, you see a walking answer to our prayers. God is great, and he answers amazing prayers. Philippians tells us, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Today, we need prayer. I'm going to ask for a specific prayer for friends of mine. I love Pastor and Mrs. White dearly. There is nothing that would have kept us away from today. Even if he would have said, Brother Smig, sit in the sound booth and don't bother anybody, I would have been here. But very dear friends of mine need prayer. Very dear friends of yours need prayer. Down south, they would say you would have to go a first stretch to find a pastor who loves his people more than he loves you. This morning, my challenge to you is, number one, if you've never prayed that prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner, that you would. But secondly, like we did for Alyssa, like I want us to do for Pastor and Shelley, is those who can, I want you to come here at the altar. I want us to pray for nothing else other than a complete resolution to the trial, to the turmoil that is in their life right now and to give them wisdom as they go forward. And that we as their friends would love on them and be as kind and as considerate to them as we possibly can. Is that asking too much today? I don't think so. Let's pray together. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.